This is part two of a GBA special about In Conversation podcasts. If you haven't listened to the first part, which is a talk that I gave at the Invisible Picture Palace about this topic, then you won't get as much from what you're about to hear. You still might get something, but not as much. This is a conversation that I had with the members of the audience, well, those who could stay for the question and answer session. The Invisible Picture Palace is basically a greenhouse devoted to audio work. So the audience I did have was a small one, which lends itself very well to conversation. The Invisible Picture Palace is run by In The Dark, and by day it's a place where you can listen and buy great radios. At night it hosts listening events. Find out more at www.invisiblepicturepalace.com The first two voices that you hear are Jesse Levine and Nina Garthwaite. Nina is the director of In The Dark, and she invited me along to do this talk. Jesse is a freelance radio producer, amongst other things, and she volunteers with In The Dark, and you can find her work at www.jessielevine.com. The next person that you hear is Rosanna Arbin. Also present in vocal are Dia Caesar and Julie Thing, who are two students from Goldsmiths, and my father and my partner Jen. And that's more than enough from me. Oh yeah, also... I should say... Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Okay, so questions and answers. Out <laughs> in the cold, How smoking the cold? out in the cold. Yeah. Okay. I do, I do have questions. Yeah, go, oh, go on, go on, you go. Okay. I have a question. Well, it's kind of just a thought <laughs> that I would in, be interested in hearing your opinion on. The thing that Carl James was talking about in terms of being a really good listener, yeah. when I had my conversation with you, I was thinking, this is really similar to therapy. You know, this is, you know, like you, you are, people you know, that, you, yeah. people have said that, right? And it is, there's definitely similarities. But what I think is interesting with yours is that, it's not it isn't quite therapy and and I think you know actually because I kind of disagreed with Carl in in that respect I guess I was wondering what you thought about the kind of way it can lapse into that into or into the relationship between a, a therapist and the therapy and also one of the things that came up in my head was that the person who taught me radio was this guy called Alan Hall who's this very kind of well-respected documentarian radio documentarian and he says that as a radio feature producer you have to be a bit like a counsellor you have to be a bit like a therapist because you have to have empathy and you have to listen but you know at the same time it seems to me the thing about the conversational podcast is not that they are just one person listening and the other person talking that it's a kind of it's a conversation exchange, and it's exchange yeah. and it's up to and although you know, obviously you want to have empathy with each other otherwise you know it's not like that couple it's not going to sound very nice <laughs> but you know at the same time I think actually it's in some ways up to the listener to have the real empathy because you know that's why when Mark Marin was talking with Louis CK I felt really great empathy you know yeah 
but I didn't feel like he, Mark Maron was being the therapist at all because he was interrupting him and talking over him. And yeah, he goes, like he repeated, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, yeah, and that yeah. thing, you know, like that's what as as Ray, which I think is important for the person you're talking to, but it's not necessarily the audience don't always enjoy. No, it. and you know, as a radio producer, <clears throat> you have to just shut up, you yeah. know, zip up and and just listen, except when you know you're asking the questions. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. what do you think about that? Well, I I, I like stuff that is an exchange Mm. I do think there's a real value in what Carl does and I think that in his actual conversations that he has with them before he edits them he does involve himself more there is one episode that Carl's put out which is long form which he kind of said that my show gave him the confidence to do which is quite nice Mm. Um, that, that he did with the Tourette's sufferer and it's an hour long and the reason he wanted it all out there is because she's got Tourette's and he wanted people to actually experience what it's like talking to someone who's got Tourette's and it's really interesting I don't know if sufferer is the right word I don't think she would see it that way actually because she's kind of got a different point of view on it but that conversation is long form and that showed that he did he did get himself involved in that and he did and in our conversation he really gets involved in the conversation and I get involved in the conversation but he just selects the bits you know that he uses but at the same time, there is, it is still important to listen. It's something I've sort of started this project to learn how to do. Mm. There are definitely moments when I'm editing where I'm like, why the fuck didn't I shut up at that minute? <laughs> like, I, they were clearly going to say something interesting. Why did I talk? So I do think that you have to pay attention if you want to make this kind of podcast to the art form of listening. But I do think that my tastes run towards empathy and that is where you exchange feelings rather than just hear someone's feelings Mm. and it's not therapy and interestingly the mental illness happy hour which I talked about earlier on that is a show where people talk about mental illness but he always very clearly says this is not a therapist he says this is like a it's like a waiting room where you've accidentally started a conversation with the person who's there which never the therapist exactly (laughs) Um, and and, and so and that's why I think that show is valuable I mean that show again like Mark Maron's show you might some people might prefer it if they skip to the conversation rather than hear the intros but the intros are also very interesting but he reads out he reads out kind of listener problems from surveys and stuff and uh, but that can be kind of like just his voice for a long time and some people won't enjoy that. But it's a really good show, really worth listening to. And if you did start listening to it and go, oh, I don't enjoy just skip to later on, I, I would say. Yeah, with a lot of them, especially ones where they've got adverts as well. You know, I mean, that's they have to do that, but you still don't want to be bothered with that. Did I answer that question? Yeah, okay. <laughs> good. This is uh, Nina. This is Nina. <laughs> One of the things I really got hooked on listening to your podcast were I think the conversations that you're having with people that you knew really well because of the sort of things that would happen in those conversations that I don't think happen in conversations with people you don't know so well like like, you get the sense you're reading each other's body language a bit and and you know each other's the way each other's mind works a little bit and that's what I really loved about them I've listened to ones where you know people less and I, I like those too but I'm wondering from your perspective like I guess you're doing more and more with people that you don't know so well now. Yeah, but also with, um, I am doing more and more with people I do know well as well. It's, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm carrying on. But you're right, they, they will run out. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Not I, necessarily. I, but I do more than one conversation as well. Like I've done a number of conversations with my father, who's standing here, um, <laughs> and I've done a number with my mom. I've done a few with Jen now that have gone out, and there's a few with friends that have gone. So I, I, I am going to double them up. So. 
yeah. so I can hopefully carry on having that strand even after I run out of close friends. <laughs> but do, you, do you find, are you saying which one do you find more Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's I, a, find, I find both fulfilling. What I find is that what I like personally are the moments where I suddenly get to know someone better, where I literally do get better acquainted. Mm. And that can happen with really close people to me. And that's really personally very valuable. But you can also have those moments with someone you're just getting to know. Like there's one that's going to go out, not this week, but the week after, which is with a guy called Ruben who I didn't know very well. And during the pic- the conversation, I realised he went to school in Cardiff. He was literally going to the same clubs. We will have literally been in the same places the whole of the time growing up, but we didn't know each other. And that, that moment I really enjoy. These kind of moments where you actually suddenly, oh, hang on, we've got connections that we didn't know. Mm. Yeah. But to turn it around in terms of like, you know, because the interview obviously and, you know, you're doing it for, you know, you really enjoy doing it. But in terms of the audience, the, the, audience, yeah. the listener, you know, how, because even though I liked you telling me about that story of, you know, you knowing each other, not knowing each other in Cardiff, but knowing each other. That to me is not a very deep story. Yeah, but it's the way that the tone of our voices go. It's the way that when we're talking about going clubbing when we're 16, like we're experiencing it, we're re-experiencing it. That's one of the valuable things. I think from all of those extracts, that's the kind of moment that happens where you re-experience the Mm. thing because you've Mm. had the space for the conversation to happen. And that's what Radcliffe's doing. Me and Radcliffe didn't know each other very well in that conversation. And that's one of my favourite conversations because he's just had such an amazing life. But also he talks so... the things I think is really valuable about Radcliffe is he's someone who's been homeless and addicted to substances and he talks about his attitude to law and how those the law should be around those issues and that's really valuable and not, not something we ha- hear very often like people who've actually been homeless being talked about what do you think should happen about homelessness in this country from the government nobody asks homeless people that you know I think that's really good for the listener and really good for me and had nothing to do with personal connection but, I mean, it's, it swings around about just exchanging with another person. Some, sometimes I have really good rapport with, with friends, but not really close friends. And having had the conversation, I would say I'm much closer to... Like, sometimes you hear me becoming closer friends with people, mm. like live. And that's as interesting as hearing familiar body, body language, I think. Mm. And it's weird, like, also really close people can have tension... Like, we saw that tonight with the people who'd been in a relationship that was split up. I mean, I did a conversation with my stepdad, who I had a very complicated relationship with as a child. So there was a lot of tension in me when we were having that conversation, mm. you know. And the tension is also interesting mm. to, to mm. listeners. Because uh, that's a moment in itself. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just on the same line, do you know, of the podcasts that are the most popular, that conversation podcasts, do they tend to be with people that know each other? Or people who don't know each other? I think that they generally tend to be people who have some common reference point. So Mark Maron's WTF, a lot of the people he knows, but he also, he's been in the comedy circuit for his, like, for a long time. And he knows comedy history, he's obsessed with it. So everybody that comes on, he might not know them personally, but he knows their comedy. And he, he, they both do comedy, so they have a shared thing to, like, talk about. And, and that's another thing, like, choosing the subject is an interesting thing. So something that Pete Holmes does, and I'm not necessarily a fan of his shows, you might have guessed from earlier on, but I do listen to it. I do like some things about it. One of the things he does is he talks to everybody about comedy, sex, and religion. And they're the things that he's obsessed with and have shaped his life. Yeah. And the people he has on are comedians. So they've got a common reference point of comedy. 
everybody has a common reference point in sex and probably everyone has a common reference point in spirituality of some kind even if like the majority of his guests they are atheists who don't like religion uh, that's still a common thread that, that people can get passionate and feel about so yeah. I think yeah that's it do you, I have a question yeah do you now, has it sort of having the recorder sort of taken over your life? Like, yeah. Will you wait? If you have a really important thing in your life oh. that you have to ask someone about, will you wait till you No, have? I haven't really done that. But there's a good example of this maybe creeping into my life that happened recently. There's, an, there's a GBA Extra that I did with Jen. What was it called? After, After, Dinner, Dreams. After Dinner Dreams, it's called. Mm-hmm. And basically, we were having dinner, and Jen said to me, what did you say? Have you ever had sleep paralysis? <laughs> Have you ever had sleep paralysis? And I was like, what's that? what's that? And she described what sleep paralysis was. And I realised that it's been a really big moment in my life was this dream I had, which was, sounds like sleep paralysis that I had when I was a kid. And I had this repeatedly. It was a repeated kind of nightmare. And rather than say that to her, I said we've got to turn the microphone on <laughs> and have this conversation and then we, sort of, and, and then we had the build up to that and then I revealed that live on mic like that's the first time and you were I, waiting to reveal that yeah but only only like, five minutes to run yeah. up downstairs oh, yeah. I'm not capable oh. of not talking so <laughs> I, I, I recognise it would be a danger but I'm really bad at not talking Jane would wish that I talked less about things I was thinking in my head yeah you Um, felt a performance coming and you had to turn the microphone on I I, I kind of wanted to catch it also I I yeah I mean I know knew that Jen had a lot to say about dreams in fact she she went on to we had a very long long form conversation about it It wasn't just a moment but yeah yeah I I wasn't I felt the performance coming I knew it would be an interesting thing to put out there into the world and I wanted to do it as I had the idea so it's not so much a performance though because I felt the genuine coming do you see what I mean I wanted to capture the genuine not the performance I know you were doing that I knew you were doing that we're the the, 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 like competitive yeah yeah me first first. we're not listening we want to talk (laughs) I wanted to answer everybody's question fairly go go on Who's, go on, you go. Go, go on, Jesse. Um, the thing, well, the thing <laughs> that that made me think of was this piece, and it was an article as well as an audio piece on shortcuts, which Nina presented, which was by a guy called Jonathan Goldstein. No, no, no that's no. not. Um, that's the guy from Wiretap. You're confusing. No, you're confusing wiretaps with people who wear wires. No, but wasn't he wired? Like, no, um, they got the same name. No, no, no. What's the guy from David Gold? Well, there's two Jewish Dave. North American men anyway. Don't I can say that because I'm Jewish. No. No. <laughs> no. Um, okay, anyway. You've confused me now. I could have okay. told you a second Anyway, no. this... And this shortcuts is on Radio not on anymore. But you can still get clips. Yeah, you can still get clips. <laughs> clips. Yeah. Short, <laughs> short pieces of radio. Short pieces yeah. of radio. The, the thing that I wanted to say was because he had this thing where he kind of started obsessively David Weinberg David Weinberg okay (laughs) as opposed to Jonathan Goldberg Goldstein Goldstein Mm. he recorded himself his whole life for like five years he wore a wiretap and he just recorded himself and recorded himself and some years later he came to write this article and phone up the people who he secretly recorded and told them about it and, and this audio piece that was in Shortcuts was a conversation he had with someone who he did this to. Jesus. Yeah, so it was pretty intense. The, the article was, I thought, very illuminating because he said that whenever he went back and listened to what he thought was a fantastic moment, you know, one of these things that you can't predict, like the things that you were talking about in, yeah. in, your, in your talk, 
the things which you know like uh, a kind of exciting moments that only exist in that moment happy they, accidents, yeah happy yeah. accidents he said that whenever he listened back to them again they didn't sound at all like he remembered and they were very disappointing basically i have had that experience occasionally no, but, but the thing what i wanted to say about that was that i thought like it was interesting the way that that you know that that's a, something that you look for Whereas actually with the podcast, although that's, you know, what you're looking for, it's something you find find and and it might not happen. And, you know, but when they do happen, they are genuine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, no, absolutely. And that's why I think it rarely happens. Like it rarely happens that something I remember as being amazing isn't amazing because I discovered it in that moment. Like I've got the headphones on. So I'm like at the same time as I'm having that conversation, I am also going, Oh my God! The birds singing. Audio gold. The, yeah, the birds bird singing, and, the, and she's talking about bird song. Wow. Yeah. Um, which means I comment on it on the conversation, though, which kind of defeats the, <laughs> the kind of yeah. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> you just got a hand up. <laughs> I've got my yeah. hand up. There's something about this that I'm really interested in it because I, I I think it's interesting that I think a lot of people like you who are coming to this are coming from outside of radio. Yeah. So therefore you're bringing different things to it and you don't have the same restrictions in your head of like, oh, this is how I should do an interview and so on. And that's really great. And it's like, the, but there's, I wonder whether, and I'm interested in your opinion of like, in terms of whether this is reinventing the wheel a little bit and in terms of things like the birds in the background now in in my head and I'm not actually a radio producer but I've done a lot of TV documentary stuff and and you know th- those things are always the things that you're looking well, for I mean and then you learn to it, kind of there's yeah. a brilliant conversation between Melvin Bragg and Dennis Potter when Dennis Potter was dying mm. uh, and they're in his back garden and he's talking about the color of the beech trees it's so beautiful he's, it's so poetic the way he talks about it um, and it's a, one of the best kind of conversations. I think the Guardian had it as a conversation, like re- when they were doing bit the be- you know top ten conversations of all time. Yeah. It was free on the Guardian, and I listened to it. And yeah, it's that's beautiful. And you're right, that's always existed. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at when I was saying, I know that yeah. this has been influenced by these things. But so it is reinventing the wheel. But that's the point. It is reinventing the wheel. People are discovering it. <laughs> And because they're discovering it and they're not going through the process of being taught it, taught it yeah. then they come at it with a kind of fresh angle. And I think that's why it's a fresh form, because it, it is yeah. outside the media. Yeah, so yeah. technology has made it a new form. But you're right, it is a, re- a new form of an old form, like all art, you know. Of course, but do you, um, one, thing, one thing I'm wondering is whether, like, I think the internet's doing this in lots of ways with, with, with things like photo films as well, where people are, like, putting photos together with audio and they're kind of going, whoa, these are photo films! And it's like, no, 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 they're, they're films. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and, sure. you know, and, sort of, and it's interesting because people from different mediums are discovering these things and it's great. I'm wondering for you as a producer of, of a podcast... Do you feel yourself slowly learning these things and are, are you going to start then taking away... Do you worry that you will start taking away from the thing that the rawness... The, the wonderful thing, which I love, yeah. which the rawness creates in those podcasts, well, do you feel that you're going to slowly start... Like, even microphone technique, like, are you slowly I'm hoping, starting to... I'm hoping to improve on microphone technique because I do get complaints about that. <laughs> I don't think you should. I think you should <laughs> stick with that. But, and then, but then in terms of interviewing and in terms of editing, are those things, are you then going to start relearning right. those things and then, like, no, I don't do you worry think, at all that things th- are going to be lost? I'm not that worried because I've been doing it for a number of years. It's not like I come to it completely fresh either. 
whatever. I make music, so I'm used to making to cutting or cutting audio uh, sound files. And I did make radio at university. Mm. I made a radio play at university. I was in a radio comedy sketch group where we cut stuff. So I'm not coming to this completely yeah. pure. I, I, I wish I was in a way because it would kind of uh, back up my argument better because I do think that people can come to this completely pure and will come up with really new really exciting ideas but to answer the bigger point within what you're saying I think I now cut more ums than I did originally <laughs> but a, but I also leave in more Silence. moments yeah, more silence yeah. absolutely and and, and say, that's what radio producers do yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and having learned that that's that's only making it more genuine in a way than more mm. silence because those those moments are actually what happened but it's also making it less genuine because i'm cutting out the ums <laughs> a lot more so i don't know but i but i think that's where i'm going to stay i i like the form that i've got mm, you know yeah. i i do like doing other stuff like i do documentary episodes where I have like talking into a mic like this walking around the streets of Cardiff uh, all sorts of things go on but again I like the DIY element of that and I like that yeah it's quite amazing how effective ums are on the radio if you hear them on the radio oh they shock you don't they because you're like oh this thing's real yeah like this is something different. <laughs> my, my reaction would be, this thing's boring. No, no, but then... No, 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 yeah. When they're used well. I they can be used well. They're still... You know, Radio 5 Live has arms from the, from the corners, but you're, but you're right. Like, that's the hyper-realism I'm really talking about. It's like when it's 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 real and it makes you go, that's more real. Yeah. That, that feeling that you got then, that's exactly what I have, I have all the time with conversational podcasts. I don't know if I agree, though, because I think... I mean, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but I do think <laughs> reality is a bit boring, you know, and that, you know, you have to... Well, it's you know, heightened reality, though, isn't it? Because it's not like I'm recording reality. I'm recording mm. a conversation about reality. True, true, that's true. And so what people this have really to say about reality <laughs> is not boring. And I don't think reality is boring either. I think that that's what, what shows like like Radio Lab when it's good or like a lot of other shows teach us is that reality isn't boring. Reality is really, really no, interesting when you is, get into it rather than yeah, just Yeah, but they're sk- selecting the bits of reality. Yeah. That's what I think, you know, like the act... I, I, I really, you know, I love love tonight's talk, so I am playing Devil's Advocate. Yeah, no, sure. But, I, I like criticism, it's good. But I think, you know, to a certain... <laughs> I played some. Because I, fi- <laughs> I find, you know, I, I, I am not tempted to listen to an hour of conversation I have to say, I'm not tempted at all. Have you tried it? It's addictive. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's true. I think once you hit the... It's it's, it's like like with kinds of music. Have you had this kind of experience with kind of music? You can't really get into it. Then suddenly it clicks and you go... Oh man, I got to listen no. to that music all the time. I think I'm a different kind of person. Yeah. I think Definitely. I've got a, a short attention span, to be honest. I, I don't, I don't think so though, because Jen, you had this experience with with conversations, long form conversation podcasts, and, and radio in general. You find hard. to I listen do to. find it hard to listen to radio in general because I zone out. And I suppose what's good about conversations is that you either you don't because you get immersed in it, or it doesn't exactly matter because when yeah. you come back in, it's not like you've lost the plot. Mm. Yeah. 
I mean, that's one of the things I kind <laughs> of. Should, in fact, that's a big. It's, that's a big missing area that I should have really added into the into the talk. Is, is the coming is it, and going? Well, it, yeah, it, it's it's the fact that you the way you listen to podcasts is so different from yeah. the way that you listen to radio. Maybe that's what I'm so doing wrong. Commuting yeah. or doing the housework or whatever, <laughs> things like this. Like you, you do just zone in and out, and it's it's great because. It, but but if it was a documentary, I can't listen to Radio Lab zone in and out. It pisses no. me off because I miss that. I've missed some really important sides, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, if you miss one sentence, it feels like oh. Sh- Exactly. Yeah, and right that's there. interesting because I do think that yeah, it's it's because I think it's because it is in some ways it's demanding a kind of listening that we have with our friends, but when you're actually just listening to something which is disembodied and there's no real person in front of you. Like cuz I, you know, I work in radio, so I'm I'm used to doing a lot of concentrated listening. Yeah. Whereas, you know, this is something else and I think yeah, maybe I need some some lessons or training for You got to do, do it in the glass house. Yeah. I don't mind having the radio oh, it's going to sound awful but I, ha- I don't mind having the radio on in the background because I don't listen to it but very sometimes you know I don't actually like having words in my head at all and no music and no nothing you know sure, yeah. sure. and that's you know I've in some ways like and <laughs> some ways you and know like exist. you're you're contributing to the sorry to be mean but to to, to the Noise. you know noisification the cacophony, yeah. the cacophony sure. of this world whereas actually we should be kind of like stopping and enjoying silence for a bit that's really true it's it's kind of what i was saying though about how you can see it as the worst thing in the world and the best <laughs> thing in the world. And it's, you know you can definitely see conversational podcasts as, as a sad thing you go why are these people are listening to conversations they could be having conversations <laughs> or just well, not having conversations, having no conversations at all, at all. thinking exactly you know. <laughs> but you know there, there are lots of strengths as you're I, right as I you've said, got to pick and so. choose what you, you want to listen to it's true yeah. yeah but that's why I said do it in the tube or you can sit down and just without headphones or anything yeah. and and just look out and pay attention okay. to your surroundings Next which is time. interesting for oh, one minute you should sit in the tubes then. and start chatting to people see how far you get that'd be interesting I'd like to hear that no on a yeah. next long train journey which I have to admit I love just ignoring people on yeah <laughs> long journeys are good for podcasts I have yeah. listened to a lot of podcasts on buses person, oh, no, I ha- oh no I hate talking to people she does not really g- she, she did, her episode is one to look out for it won't be for, it won't be for a while but it's good <laughs> thanks do you listen to, going back on that things that are heavily edited versus when you hear the ums and ahs and things do you listen to strangers what when oh, they're talking? KCR. No, no, sorry. There's a program. <laughs> there's a series called okay. Strangers. On what? Cool. KCRW. Okay, no, I can just see him whipping out his yeah. microphone in the tube. Going, yes. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't. Do. I'm very, very particular about sorry, people knowing they're being recorded. I've never but heard yeah. of this program. No, that sounds really interesting. I listened to some stuff from KCRW. Well, well, and she and so it's part of their independent producer project. And her name is Lena, I believe. She's very nice. I met her. So it's quite heavily edited story about encountering strangers and the, the effect that Good they've idea. had in your lives. Mm. Brilliant idea. So there'll be quite the, the person will tell their story. With I don't think there's anything else added in. I don't think no, there's any background or sounds or anything. Oh, right. Maybe the, I, do you know what, I can't but remember thinking. Parts, all I think the, about is the story. The interviewer and the, the interviewee. No, just right. the person telling the story. Yeah. And then at the end, just for about three, two, three minutes, you hear Lena in conversation with her. When they f- he, the person has fit the interviewee has finished telling the story, suddenly they're relaxed. You can hear like, <laughs> they're relaxed. They're just this. They're not. You know. You can hear the ease yeah. suddenly in their voice. Or maybe it's just because suddenly it's not edited. <laughs> and there's Lena and her just having a tiny little back and forth about a couple of little loose ends, um. and then it ends. And always when I hear that ending, I I, I sort of feel I love the endings hmm. because I, I get more of a sense of, of who they are. 
rather than just their story. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so, I, I, I was expecting out. you to say, and then in the last few minutes, you hear a conversation between the main interviewee and the stranger that they're talking oh, about. No. Does anyone <laughs> yeah. listen to On Being? No. Have you heard of that? It's, a, it's an American show, it's an NPR show, I can't remember which station. And it's conversations about spirituality, I guess. Yeah. And what they do is they have the, a really, really well edited, so clever. Like they get music around the subject and it's really, really well researched and they have little mm. clips from other things. It's really well put together, produced piece of radio. Okay. But they also release a completely unedited version of the conversation <laughs> so what I do is I listen to the really good edited show and then if I really like it I go back to the unedited one and like one of the best in both forms is one with Roseanne Cash like Johnny Cash's daughter and it's about her attitudes to physics she talks about physics she talks about religion and how she isn't religious and she talks about music and her like relationship with her father it's really powerful and beautiful and and Krista Tippett who presents it she does what we were talking about she talks she gets involved in the conversation she is like you say it is reinventing the wheel she's out there doing this on mainstream radio but when when you listen to the to the podcast like of it you hear like you know that her talking about twitter at the end when they stood up and they're talking about like twitter and you hear like, oh, yeah. like the people like there's a, they, they record some songs and you hear them like setting up and, <laughs> i always know, really like it when people really enter good. the room when you hear the interviewee enter the space that they're yeah. about to be recorded i was like that hello hi how are you yeah but no that's, that's really good that. yeah but, yeah. but i think that's that's yeah. why it works in this format though of having the edited version and then the yeah no i like that because, idea. because i don't yeah. think i can i haven't got the patience to sit through that stuff yeah. unless I already care about yes. the person yeah. so if I li- listen to the show I care about the conversation then I'll be really interested in the in the stuff that you're talking about like the people picking things up or whatever because you kind of get an idea of them all and in terms of like you know the the conversationalist the, the podcaster as a producer how you know then does that influence your own producing because if you are as you say heavily editing it does that make you think you know you've heard the edited version and then you hear the unedited version does that make you think about how you use the 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 raw audio i do really heavily edit it but at the same time i edit it to sound unedited so so it's not for editorial purposes no i mean i the reason i i edit is because i like every moment to be important in the piece that that people are listening to so I will cut out kind of unimportant bits I will cut out stuff where people don't represent their views very well and they would be misrepresented in my view by the audience I may be wrong but at least I'm doing the courtesy of taking it out rather than finding out if I'm wrong by broadcasting. But you're not thinking about how I tell this story, which is something that people who make documentaries I talk about how to thinking. tell the conversation, though. Right, I do yes. talk about how, think about how it flows, <laughs> you know, how things yeah. flow, and how statements, like, you know, I will cut out... If someone repeats a statement too many times, I will cut that out. You know, there are, mm. you know, there are mm. like, I will, I will try and make everyone sound more eloquent. My reasoning is that people who use microphones all the time are prepped so they get to sound eloquent because they know how to sound eloquent I don't know how to sound eloquent you've heard me I don't know how to you sound you sounded elo- very eloquent well that's very kind of you to say but I mean that's mostly because I was reading things we don't have the same opportunity of training that they do but our stories are just as interesting but we won't find them as interesting if they don't sound eloquent yeah but also people sound more eloquent. That was one of the things that I, I used that Carl, Carl James bit. That's so true as yeah, well. I people that. do sound more eloquent. So often people, when they finish, one of the reactions I get is, well, I think I, I feel quite good about the things I said because I feel like I presented them in a good way. Mm. I, think, I think you might have said something like that. Well, I, I mean, I, I was struck by how similar in that way that it was to therapy because I think when you've had a good 
therapy session you do come away kind of with realizations about yourself mm. when you've had a bad therapy session you just feel fed up you know because you don't understand yourself any better that's what the point of therapy is yeah. to understand yourself and I think you know if you're if you're talking about yourself as I was you know like I felt like I just talked your ear off like you didn't get a chance <laughs> to talk at all and so I came about out of it thinking oh yeah that was great you know I got to really like put my put my point across no, but you had some like I was discovering some fantastically interesting facts about you that I had no oh, idea like living yeah. through an earthquake well I think I'm going to talk over the earthquake story no I'm not I'm going to listen to the earthquake story that's really interesting I think it's also about kind of like the value that people put on their own story and that's something that therapy teaches you is that your own voice and your own story your experience your words have value and I think that's you know exactly what that guy in the dialogue project was saying that you know like you come to feel like what you say has importance as an interviewee who's being interviewed by a good interviewer that is the whole point you know that that that's why you're interviewing them well that's true I'd say so I think that is kind of true and I think one of the things about my project is people aren't used to talking about themselves so everyone says they're going to be boring everyone says oh you know I'll just talk your ear off they might say Nina I talk all the time (laughs) Um, they might say something like that but actually in in that in that environment of just talking you realise that what you have to say is just just as interesting as anybody else's and, and that's why it's everybody's life is interesting yeah, I think yeah. it's about how it's talked about that makes it interesting and I hope that one of the things I hopefully bring to the table is that I ask you know I have a, a way of asking questions I think that make people talk about interesting things sometimes and also I and it's the opportunity yeah you know I think so that's true. you know you're yeah. coming to us saying okay I'm recording something this is potentially going to be on the internet and you know so on and so forth so that brings value to it in itself and I think you know it makes you feel very special you know that's really nice that's one of the nice things about it yeah a lot of people are like a lot of people are like always say like thank you so much for thinking of me and they're really and I always I always think like but hang on you're doing me I need I want I want want you to make my podcast and you're thanking me but they're never gonna do that are they because talking about oneself happens so rarely and it's one of the nicest things possible i know i sound self-obsessed but it's no it's true. it's true it's good it's fun i mean it's fun especially when you know yeah. the person it's really yeah, good to yeah. experience it like when me and dad have talked that's been really good because i'm learning things about you you know what i mean dad yeah yeah exactly and you're learning things about me it is a it is a dialogue and it is interesting in that respect how much do you prepare conversations you i do prepare I, I normally have like a list of subjects on my iPhone that I think will be interesting to talk about but if the conversation goes in a completely different direction I totally will go with it and that's the sign of a good interviewer like you know you you have to come prepared sorry (laughs) 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 no but like you know that is you know it's true because just to bring it back to radio life oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had a whole bit I was playing the extract and everything but it just went on too long (laughs) I was going to really lay in not lay into radio lab because yeah. I, I love them yeah. uh, it's always we a all sad, sad thing when this. people you love do things that you don't like <laughs> well Nina's very uh, d- defend, uh, on there oh no oh, sorry, wow. I'm not that would have been a really interesting I was thing, the anti radio lab person I'm not Nina Connor no no no, no about this particular thing oh, no no no, no. Although I do have some issues with it, but no, like this, there was this whole issue about how they interviewed this woman and her uncle from Laos, and Nina and Whoa. Ed and Connor were thinking S- that actually they weren't, yeah, you know, that the, the, the Radio Lab weren't so much at fault, whereas I took very great issue of it. I felt the best way to contextualise this discussion 
and allow people who are listening to judge for themselves is to include the extract from the episode of Radio Lab that we're talking about, which is called The Fact of the Matter. I have um I have a clarifying question before I interpret that. So so they found toxins initially and then when they looked again at those samples the toxins were no longer there? That's right. Okay. At a certain point in our conversation with Eng, the Hmong guy Robert and I talked to earlier, with his niece Kalia translating for him, we explained that the evidence they'd been attacked by chemical weapons seemed... I interpret that for my uncle. ...a little shaky. Eng's response was, if this was just bee feces... How do you explain the kids dying, the, the people and the animals dying? That where there is this yellow thing, where there are no bees, um, whole whole villages die. We asked Kalia to tell Eng what the scientists had told us, that the Hmong were definitely dying. The Hmong were under real attack. They were being fired at from airplanes and by soldiers. And but more importantly, even if they weren't killed by those direct attacks, they were on the run through the jungle. They were malnourished and drinking from contaminated streams. Diseases like dysentery and cholera were rampant. And the way a lot of people see it is that they may have misattributed some of those mysterious deaths to this cloud of bee poop that looked like it could have been a chemical weapon. But Aang says no. Not a chance. I would speak to what I've seen, and, and there is no inkling in my mind that those deaths were not caused by starvation, dysentery. It was chemicals that were, that were killing my people. So we wanted to know, and this was an honest question, did he see something that would contradict the scientist's story? Did the source of the rain, was there always a plane and then rain, a plane and then rain, or did sometimes the rain happen without a plane? We never saw what, what they said was that it was always just being dropped on them. And it was always, always being dropped where there were heavy concentrations of Hmong people. Hmm. But, that, that's uh, what we knew. We don't know whether there was a plane causing it. It was just, you just see the dust or see the... You know, you have to understand that the planes were shooting bullets and bombs every day, all the time. Hmm. And so, so whether it was a bombing plane or a yellow plane, it was incredibly hard to distinguish. Everybody runs when you hear the plane. So Hmong people don't watch bombs coming down. You came out, you sneak your head out, and you watch what happened in the aftermath. You saw broken trees, you saw yellow in the, in the aftermath of what had been bombed. I saw with my own eyes the bee pollen on the leaves eating through holes. With my own eyes, I saw pollen that could kill grass, could kill leaves, could kill trees. But he himself is not clear whether it's the bee stuff or whether it's other stuff because there was so much stuff coming down from the sky. You know that, that there were chemicals being, that being used against the Hmong in the mountains of Laos. Whether this is the chemicals from the bomb or yellow rain, chemicals were being used. It feels to him like this is a semantic debate. And, and, and it feels like, uh, like there's a sad lack of justice. That, that, that the word of a man who survived this thing must be pitted against a professor from Harvard who's read these accounts. But um, as far as I can tell, your uncle didn't see the bee pollen fall. 
Your uncle didn't see a plane. All of this is hearsay. My uncle says um, for the last 20 years he didn't know that anything, anybody was interested in the death of the Hmong people. He agreed to do this interview because you were interested. You know, what happened to the Hmong happened, and the world has, has been uninterested for the last 20 years. He agreed because you were interested. That the story would be heard and that the Hmong deaths would be documented and recognized. That's why he agreed to the interview, that the Hmong heart is broken, that our leaders have been silenced, and what we know has been questioned again and again is not a surprise to him or to me. I agreed to the interview for the same reason. That Radio Lab was interested in the Hmong story, that they were interested in documenting the dust that happened. There was so much that was not told. Everybody knows that chemical warfare was being used. Well, how do you create bombs if not with chemicals? We can play the semantics game. We can. But I'm not interested. My uncle is not interested. We have lost too much heart and too many people in the process. I, I think that I think the interview is done. I have removed a piece of inserted audio which Radio Lab chose to put in after the response that they had to the episode where Jad Abumrad presented some information which is currently, to my view, contested. And since this wasn't part of the original broadcast, I thought that was fair enough. But I have left in Robert Crowwich's apology, which was also added in later. But I feel like he should get to say his side of the story. That Somehow that moment was when the whole story changed for me. How exactly? Like, I think that there was something about like the way that she was pointing away from the thing that we had been looking so hard at and saying stop looking at that look over here yeah like she like she didn't convince me at all that this wasn't a chemical weapon but she convinced me that we were missing something yeah what i'm hearing her say there not having been in this interview is quit focusing on this yellow rain stuff because when you do that you're shoving aside the much larger story namely that my people were being killed right so that's exactly what she's saying so you're and that is wrong that is absolutely to my mind that is not fair to us how is it not fair it's not fair to ask us to not consider the other stories and the other frames of this story the fact that the most powerful man in the world ronald reagan used this story to order the manufacture of chemical weapons for the first time in 20 years. If the United States were to manufacture chemical weapons again and then use them, because the Russians supposedly had, then people would have died ugly deaths in the consequence of that. And that is not unimportant. That's hugely important. But it's not important to her. So should that not be important to us? But I, yeah, I mean, She's but I do saying, think that... I don't know. I I think that until she's until she said the things that she said at the end of that interview, I don't think that I had fully appreciated the 
the volume of pain that was involved in that moment for them. Yeah. Yes, I thought I thought her reaction was very balancing. But her desire was not for balance. Her desire was to monopolize the story, and that we can't. I'm not allow. sure we can say that though. Well, if you, oh, if you listen to the words, that's what she said. No, she I says, just think that they feel like their trauma has never been fully acknowledged, and that they've attached it to this because maybe they felt that they had to. They've attached it to this idea that Yellow Rain was a chemical weapon. And if Yellow Rain suddenly isn't a chemical weapon, that doesn't just invalidate the Yellow Rain. It negates their whole loss. And and, and I think she might be right. Hmm. But it's like, And I also think that the scientists are right. It's not a chemical weapon. And I also think you're right that to call it a chemical weapon has big consequences. So what do you do when three truths are right at the same time? This is where we stop. So that was our original conversation. And when the podcast went out, a lot of people were very upset by me in particular. So I think I want to, if I could, add just a couple of things here. First of all, clearly it was wrong to say that Kalia Yang was trying to monopolize our conversation because after all, we are the editors. We choose what to put on the air. And in this case, we chose. We were looking for evidence that despite what the scientists thought, that maybe there was a chemical weapon here. And we wanted to find an eyewitness to see if anybody saw a bomb open and yellow rain come out. That's what reporters do. We test truths. And, and that is why I was persistent. I had no idea what the Yangs were going to say. And when they got angry, I was, I was embarrassed. And when I got angry in my conversation with Jed and Pat, that was not right. And for that, I apologize to Kalia and Mr. Yang in particular. I have to ask questions and search for truth, but in this case, given how much Mr. Yang had already suffered, I should have done it with more respect and more gently. I will put a link to the article written by writer Kayo Kalia Yang, who is the woman that you heard in that extract, the niece and translator in the piece. And I'll also put links to the responses given by the Radio Lab team. I'd like to make it clear that I still think Radio Lab is an amazing audio program that everyone should listen to. I have my hand up. Yeah. <laughs> actually, very fitting to this 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 whole thing is actually my opinion of it is is that and and i'm really this is not going to be interesting to anybody who doesn't know it. Like, you can yeah. edit you can Every, edit this everybody out. says that <laughs> and i nearly always keep that bit no, in anyway. okay I, I actually think the thing that irritated me about the radio lab co- conflict was not one side or the other but the fact that there there seemed to be like a whole pile of public statements made on both sides when actually what I thought was weird that it didn't happen, so if it, and maybe again. it has, is that they haven't talked again. They haven't had a, a conversation. conversation. <laughs> but, but I actually think, I actually think that... That's that, totally true. But I also totally think that you true. can compare it as well to the Mike Daisy thing on This American Life, right? Yeah. And what This American Life did is they went, OK, we've, there's been mistakes made. Let's get him in the, in the, in the, in the studio and have a conversation mm-hmm. with him. And in fact, that was going to be one of my examples of no, This American Life picking on the conversational format, yeah, part yeah. of their style. But the thing is... That's what I would have liked. I would have yeah. liked them to have to had a conversation. No bad people. Eh? No, I don't think none anybody. Of them are horrible and people. that's the thing. That's that's exactly the thing right. I, think I don't like about the kind of attack on radio levels. Actually, I don't think that these are people that have like. I think they're the, 
they have integrity. They have integrity. They have integrity. I think they, they, they mean they mean well. They mean and well. they yeah. and they made some mistakes and actually I even think that what they did doesn't you know, a lot of the criticisms against it don't quite acknowledge what they tried tried well, to they, do they even had a political they, they had a political right purpose way. too i mean both sides had a political purpose it's not like robert Krovich was trying to say this didn't happen because he wanted to make them feel bad no. he wanted to expose reagan as doing something that was but not true and and so yeah. i don't know if it was true or not i don't necessarily agree with radio labs decision i would have made it much i, I think a, a program about the truth should talk about how impossible it is to find the truth yeah that's what i said no it wasn't it didn't do it for me that's, that's, that's what they were trying to do they, yeah, they could have done it better it. if they, they took up the conversation with the couple the two people who, who felt yeah. they you know were, yeah yeah wronged you know, that that could be a conversation about the truth and different yes. aspects yes. and how you could feel that that would have been brilliant yes, yes. exactly that's, I think exactly. that's what they were exactly. trying and to do but they didn't they released they didn't the original trans- yeah. like why haven't they released yeah. that's, that's the original tapes we all yeah. do yeah. things the tech- I don't yeah I no don't. but they're now coming from a different I think what they were trying to do was talking about truth and they were trying they tried to have that conversation but they they didn't they didn't involve them in that conversation and that was the problem I think that was what they were trying to do is kind of go oh god you know we don't know what the truth is and I think Jad and uh, they did what they always do is see, everybody take two feels sides so close to them because of their conversational style as presenters they were all no, like feel no, Jad I, and Robert we care about them so no. much because they use conversation but then they Maybe. didn't use conversation they didn't, exactly. when it mattered no, but I agree with that I agree with that and that's yeah. problematic no I Definitely. agree with that I do agree with that I think they should have had a conversation I was ha- talking about this. I'm sorry I was, <laughs> no but it's really interesting <laughs> that we're talking about this again I was having a conversation with Alan and Ellie about this and they asked me what would you have done Ellie was like what would you have done differently and I was like oh I've got no idea question but that is what you should do (laughs) absolutely absolutely no bad people here Mm. i don't think Mm. i don't know well i don't think i don't like marble college well i don't know him i think i don't like his radio percent no bad bad intentions i think (laughs) jen really likes robert crowley oh really (laughs) (laughs) okay we'll talk about that later (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no bad people why not why not have a chat about it you should write to them and say we were having a conversation <laughs> at the glass house. To send them a, send them a, you a totally radius. should sell, send them that. Maybe. You'd get, you'd get on Radiolab. I think I've sent them emails asking them to come on my show, but I haven't done that. Yeah, no, you totally good. should do that. I should try that out. They will obviously respond to sound. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. No, you know, like you know, you totally should. No, I mean, I, you know, I think email. they're really, really amazing, inspiring uh, audio producers, and certainly, certainly would like to hear their side of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have definitely got reservations about the way it went down. Mm. But I, I don't think that you can necessarily blame them. I think there's too many things. Yeah. It's like the fact that they were unthinkingly racist does not uh, mean that they're any different from fucking everybody mm. yeah, so maybe we exactly. should like like Carl says maybe we should have a conversation about the difference yeah. instead of yeah. pointing fingers at both sides yeah. and just yeah. say hang on and like Jad's not even white anyway so mm. it's a really complicated kind of thing you know and he put that out and mm. they'll have members of their team that are of different ethnicities than white so it's a really it's really about culture being prejudiced against another culture rather than racism yeah. and yeah. that's something you, you, you'd understand from the Chinese kind of experience well yeah and I think I was a bit of a kind of like I, ha- I have a bit of kind of weird... I was t- talking to you about this, like the Asian chip on its shoulder, but also kind of like arrogance as well. And I think I was a bit of like, oh, why are Asian people always being so represented so badly in the media, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I and I think, you know, I don't know. I You know, apart from them being 
essentially good people and, and what they were trying to do wasn't a bad thing. I Well, I, I, I have to question that, but I also think that, you know, it was just the whole thing was handled incredibly badly, like from start to finish, and it's still going on. And I didn't see any kind of... And it was a real lesson, like I thought, actually, because, you know, that we kind of idolise these people quite a lot. Uh, you know, Radio Lab and This American Life and all of those, and actually they're quite tenable. You know, they're, they're just they're just people. That's exactly, exactly. But well, that's fine. That's good. You know, like it's nice to see that as someone who's up and coming to see that people make yeah, mistakes, even when people. they're very we remember that everyone's people. experienced. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like when we're holding anyone to account, we should always remember that we might be held to account one day. Hmm. And how about yeah. we question ourselves a little bit? And yeah, Jesus, says don't judge like that, too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a final question. <laughs> does Jen, just, sorry, not does Jen drive you mad? <laughs> Jen, does Dave drive you mad? <laughs> yes, I'm quite sure we both drive each other mad. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's not coming out for a while, but we did a we did a we did a Lancaster special because I do these specials where I go back to places I've been. And uh, Jen and me met in Lancaster, so we went back to Lancaster together, and it was like the worst thing ever. Like, you because didn't tell me I was co-hosting. You did, I did. <laughs> I totally did. I, we totally agreed it, and then you forgot. Because um, Jen does forget things. And then, um, and then that was the problem, is that the way I respond to things, and especially because I was doing it on mic, is to talk about where we're at. And all, what Jen wants to do is think in peace. So there's lots of me talking about it, and saying to Jen, what do you think about this? And then... <laughs> and then like the, the best bit will be the end bit where we both publicly apologise <laughs> for the way we were behaving um, yeah. I've decided never to do it again no, we're never, never, I've co-hosted with a few people and it's been great but not Jen accepting the, the difference I think this is yeah. a good example yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely I'm not an audio person you're on quite a lot of audio now for someone who's done not very audio yeah, but I'm not in charge of it <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you want to say anything more about me like, driving you mad before I get up? No. <laughs> <laughs>